Ladies and gentlemen, I have something terrible to tell you. It is a piece of grave news. Me and Angie, we engage in a ritualized knife fight, as is tradition among the Longkang kiddies, and I lost. Thus, I have to engage in a punishment, and that is I have to read off a list of game quotes, or I can speak in pidgin English for this entirety of the podcast. Sometimes, I'm able to say God is willing and talk normally, but those will be very rare times indeed. So please bear with me in this podcast. Thank you. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Long Kang Kitties. This is John Wang, your most handsome, non-budgeteer ever on the face of the planet. This week we have two very special guests. Leader of the Woko Haram, no, I'm sorry, creators of the Woke Salary Man comic. <laughs> okay, uh, Rui Ming and Wei Chun, welcome back, guys, to, the, to this very special episode of the Longgang Kitties. We have Dan Wong, loser, fallen knight, uh, speaker of forfeit languages. We have Jerry, still on the fence, and we have the new reigning bandit queen, Angie. Hi. And today we will be talking about budget 2020. It's a it's a pretty hot topic right now. Heng Suket just announced it a couple of days ago. Everyone is talking about it. So before we go on, Dan Wong, would you like to tell me how you feel about budget 2020? In time, you will know the tragic extent of my failings. Wow. Wow, Dan, that's so deep. That's so deep. <laughs> Does every, does anybody else want to uh, just chime in with Budget 2020, what you know about it, how you feel about it? Everyone gets something. Everyone gets something. How about um, Wei Chun? Uh, to be honest, I I was not that interested in it. But it seems like most people are quite happy with it. But I also quite... I don't really care on either way. I just focus on my own thing. That's my stance on it. How about you, Raymond? Yeah, so there's like a five one six billion, you know, uh, support package that the government threw to the people. I mean, I guess like most people is, is happy about that. Uh, I'm very nerdy, so I I did read out a little bit about it. So there's like GST vouchers. There are like uh utility rebates. So yeah, you know, like all in all, like I don't think anyone has been complaining about it. Okay, Angie. You get a money. You get a money. Everyone gets a money. That's you true. get a money. Yeah, a money. <laughs> Dan Wong, do you get the money? Confidence surges as the enemy crumbles. <laughs> well, I think Dan just, I, I cannot understand him for this whole thing. It's okay, it's okay. I, I think he's rather enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny as fuck. So we will just continue to torture Dan until the rest of the It feels very normal for Dan Wong somehow to speak <laughs> like this. Maybe you should continue this for the rest of your life. Okay, so before the before we dive into the budget proper, one of the things that I kind of want to touch on right, is the notion of GDP, so mm. gross domestic gross domestic produce. It's actually quite a loaded term. The term right is supposed to just measure economic activity. Mm. It doesn't actually measure things like, for example, what is the gen uh, what is the wealth or value generated by a nation. Mm. So to to give a very simple, straightforward example, right. Let's say I hire Dan Wong to dig a hole outside my house. And then 
Subsequently, a few days later, I hire Angie to fill up the hole again. That is economic activity. But does it generate anything of value? No. But it still counts towards the GDP. Mm. And I think that is one of the things that I kind of want to highlight first before we go into this because I think a lot of governments around the world, they tend to use GDP to mask a lot of things. Yeah. You guys have anything you want I'm to... I'm inclined to agree. I think like GDP is a very convenient figure to measure economic success. But I think similar to how personal finance or money, right, is only one part of well-being for an individual, right? Similarly to a nation, GDP doesn't cover a lot of the things that uh, you would want to get better at measuring, like um, happiness or, you know, people feeling like they're contributing meaningfully to society. And GDP cannot cover that. But I still have to concede that GDP is useful as a metric for uh, measuring economy. Like, it's like how personal finance is important to your individual well-being, but it's not the only thing. I think GDP is great because it allows you to measure uh, your economic productivity. And once you get past a certain baseline where you are producing enough economically that you are able to reasonably thrive and people are not starving, then you also have to look at other areas to satisfy your citizens' well-being in other ways. Uh. Like one of the things about GDP, right, is that, of course, consistently we see year-on-year on year growth, right? But there is a increasing wealth divide among the have and the have-nots. So then it becomes this thing where, you know, to kind of push aside the, the issue of growing poverty within Singapore, the government just constantly just say, well, everyone is growing. You know, the economy is growing. The, there's, there's more wealth to go around. But it's like what you say. La, it doesn't specifically measure anything beyond act, just the activity itself. It doesn't say anything about the, the well-being or what, where the money is actually going. Hmm. So I think that's my... That's one of the, the things I kind of want to preface before we get into the budget proper. Yeah, I think one of the blind spots of GDP is that um, if you have extremely rich individuals in your country or society, right, then they could bring the average up so high that even though the GDP per capita compared to other countries is very high, you might not. The, the, the lower rungs of society might be in really, really dire positions. So that's what you need to look out for. Although I think Singapore context still okay, I feel. Oh really? Like I I, my so. my feel is the opposite because we we always try to attract like millionaires and investors into Singapore and we have a very disproportionately high um percentage of like rich people in Singapore, especially people who come into Singapore to park their wealth and, you know, invest and buy property. So like because of that, I, I think our you know, uh what's that what's that called? GDP is is uh pulled up oh, quite definitely. high be- yeah. from from that law. So yeah. So and then the people who are at the lowest lowest tiers of uh, of society in Singapore, they're just like really kind of fucked over by this GDP thing because everyone uh, outside of Singapore or even within Singapore thinks we are doing okay and th- and therefore um, I think less concern is given because they're like, hey, actually our GDP is okay. What? Well, I mean, most people are doing okay, but they forget about this like imbalance of um, wealth. The Gini coefficient. Yeah, Gini coefficient. So one of the things that that kind of put all of this into perspective, right, is that budget 2020 is said to be a deficit of about $10.9 billion. A lot of it actually is the they, they tap into so-called the surplus to um, fight off the emergency that is the Wu flu. Uh, <laughs> you're still, you're still not like yeah. giving out a Wu flu, yeah? yeah. still calling it Wu flu. I don't care what anybody says. Are we like legally allowed to say like Wu flu? Like, I don't know, man. 
Well, it's my not... surname is Wu actually in Chinese. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I guess I can say, but y'all, right, y'all right. better not say. Wu oh, okay. privilege. So you have Wu uh, privilege. Right. <laughs> <laughs> are you one of the Wuhan Wu's? <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't think so. Yeah. You're the Singapore Wu? Wu, yeah, yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not Wu, yeah, it's Chinese not Wu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so as I was saying, yeah. so the 10.9 billion deficit, right, is being framed currently as, oh, it's just 2% of GDP. You see, and I think uh, that is one of the things that I generally have a problem with GDP is that they kind of when when we talk about 10.9 billion it seems like it's a lot but then when we talk about well let's measure it according to the GDP oh just 2% but actually in terms of economic activity any amount of money actually is like quite crazy uh. 10.9 billion dollars is a fuckload of money uh. I mean it's mm. it's quite insane as to, to think about what does 10.9 billion dollar looks like but then again we are we are taking this 10.9 billion in the face of unknown reserves that our government has because we have never ever declared our reserves. We have no idea how much money in our, we have in our reserve. It could be a hundred billion. We don't know, right? Um, and so I, I feel like given how cautious our government is, especially when it comes to spending on well-being of like our people, uh, I'm not entirely super concerned about this 10.9 billion dollars. You're, you're not concerned that the government would not want to spend? Uh, no, I'm I'm not concerned that they are spending like 10.9 billion. Because, well, because you are confident that the reserves is probably quite a lot more? Uh, I feel like they, given how fiscally um, safe they prudent, are, yeah. prudent, yeah, uh, I don't think they'll take like any super big risks mm-hmm. with, with how they're going to spend the money. Especially in, uh, you know, we kind of know that there is going to be a recession some sometime this year and we don't know how long for. I... As much as I like to like shit our government, right? I still have hmm. that confidence that they are not total idiot fuckheads. Hmm. I think that's fair. Vulgar but fair. Deus vote, Deus vote. God, God wills it. <laughs> God wills it. God wills it. We are only like speak. how many minutes in? No, I cannot. I cannot help myself, really, because um, you guys, our audiences, should really check out Woke Salary Man's latest cartoon on the budget because. One of the first points that's brought up, right, resounded a lot with me. And I, you know me, I'm a bit of like a conspiracy whore. I like to look, at, you know, listen to every National Day rally, listen to every budget, just to see, you know, what is the hidden things that the government is not seeing. Mm. You know how fucking meow our government is, right? Mm. And then the fact that they are willing to give out so much freebies, okay, you guys said it in your comment, and I, I mean, the moment I saw it, I was like, whoa, okay. This means that, like, stormy weather is mm. confirmed on the horizon. Yeah. I want to know... Why do they think it's so? Why do they think that you know tough times are ahead? You know, I I, I want to know more. I, I want to I want to know more so that I can shelter myself from this tough times that's coming. What What do you guys think? Actually, yeah, uh, you kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but I did mention he did that his special privilege. God willed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so God, God did will it. <laughs> so you in, cannot override God, John. Yeah, I can't. So in Heng Siket's uh, address, right, one of the things that was mentioned in the speech. Which actually is totally not part, it's not, not covered at all, right? It's a very interesting line that he says. First, he says, uh, first, there's a decline in support for globalism. So this is, this actually signals to me, uh, that the government, right, might have taken a wrong track, or they kind of admit that they have taken a wrong track for many, uh, many years. As ago. in, you're, you're saying, oh, okay, we committed to this before. Yes. But, we are turning yeah. another way now. So now we kind of have to, maybe not you, not, not quite U-turn, but we kind of need to take a slightly different path. Mm. I think that is what, I mean, remember before Trump came along, before Brexit, we were all on board with like TPP, you know, mm-hmm. the Trans-Pacific, uh, the, the pack, right? So all these are, 
uh, important globalization agreements between nations. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I hate how you're like, you're making me defend the government. I really hate you for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, given, okay, like, saying that they took the wrong track, right? Like, I think is is a bit, like, faulty because you can only respond to what's happening. And then, like, in the in the past, like, 10, 20 years, or even 30 years, like, globalism has done a lot of good for Singapore. And then opening up to, like, global companies, having MNCs come into Singapore, investing, you know, like, and we are very heavily dependent on shipping in Singapore, transportation, import and export of goods. Okay, not more import than export. I don't think that it's right to say that they took a wrong path. And I think, shit, I fuck you, Min John. I think they actually <laughs> did pretty well. Uh, <laughs> See, I can be fair and impartial. I can see your soul yeah. like burning. I'm, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just like, <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, then, but, how would you like to respond to that? The degeneracy of Angie is nothing, I fear, when compared to the condition of the surrounding acres. Yeah, okay, I think like I have like a slight uh, disagreement there. I would say like it wasn't like the wrong move for government to embrace globalization. Globalization, but for 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 a small nation like Singapore, I think like it was the only path for Singapore to survive. Like you know, and. And, it, and I think the government is, is feeling stressed right now because, like, the world around it has decided, like, countries like Singapore, you know, should not, should not like, have a free ride because of globalization. So I guess, like, that's why they predict, like, uh, tough storms are hit. The other thing is also because, like, I mean, we are, if you think about the One Belt, One Road uh, initiative and then the melting of the Arctic ice, um, which creates new shipping routes that can talk completely bypass Singapore, mm. we are becoming actually quite irrelevant uh, when it comes to shipping which is actually a pretty major part of our industry. La. So I think if you don't look ahead and, and think of what uh, we can do uh, and change our services and, and the industries that we have in Singapore, then we'll be fucking obsolete in like what, five to ten years, mm. even maybe even faster. I mean, to the government's credit, yeah, and I'm not a government dog. I just, just want to qualify that. Fuck yeah. you, John! Yeah. So, I mean, to Singapore's credit, right, like the government has diversified, you know, like uh, multiple times. In the beginning, like 1960s, where like LKY first opened the doors to foreigners, uh, they started off with manufacturing. And then later on, like they di- diversified into like, you know, uh, tourism, biochemical services. It's just that at this stage, you know, when Singapore's like existence comes under like huge threat, like what's it going to do? And I think we have this money, uh, the, the, the Singapore government has set aside like this money, like I think what they want to do is like ride out this storm and decide like what's the next step to do from here. So they haven't really decided what to do, but this is like the, the buffer that that all the savings that we have saved over the years has provided. And yeah, I think that, that's a that's a pretty good thing. And I actually quite like the idea of the government being able to concede when they make a mistake. But I, I know that you have to be very careful when you say that kind of thing. But I quite like the idea that eh. okay, they haven't like Technically admitted that they yeah, made la, a but, mistake. But you picked yeah. it up. La. I, I think For me, I mean, I'm kind of reading between the lines. La, and yeah. There's also another portion to it that um, that kind of highlights what I suspect. It's, to me, it looks a bit like A-B planning. Uh, oh, sorry, A-B testing. Hmm. So what they are doing now, right? Uh, one of the things that was announced in the budget was they are reducing the dependency ratio for S-Pass holders. So what does this mean? So let's say, for example, you're in the service sector. 38% of your workforce in this company can be S-Pass holders. So, so far, for service sector, that's not decreased. But for construction, marine shipyard, and process sectors, right, have been re- are going to reduce from 20% to 15%. So this signals to me something very, very important. So, I mean, when we talk about Singapore being reliant on things like the shipping uh, industry and all that, right, is that what we were doing prior 
in the face of globalization, right, was to rely more on foreign workforce and to say that, well, us Singaporeans, right, we are more advanced, we are more clever, whatever, we should kind of bring our human resource, right, to another level and leave these kind of jobs, right, for uh, people, for nations who kind of specialize in it, let's say from the Philippines, for example. And the reduction of all these uh, very crucial industries, right, also tells me that, you know, maybe we should look towards a little bit more of a protectionism kind of ideology where we want to have our own people take up such jobs. Whereas previously, they, they think that, well, globalization will force us to specialize anyway and we should not be too concerned about it. But then now, in the face of anti-globalization, we may need to reconsider how our, our own locals, right, have to deal with certain facts. So what does that look like in your, in your vision? Like, the fact that we would take up these jobs? So do you think there will be sufficient manpower locally to be able to fill these roles? I think they would need, like I said, like, it wouldn't be quite a U-turn, but they kind of need to adjust the way that maybe our education structure is the way that uh, maybe even how we perceive such jobs, right? We should not, we should take it um, more like, well, such jobs also have their own form of dignity and maybe you can't earn as much or whatever, but it is important. Maybe they'll turn to some sort of national pride thing again, you know, more of the so-called the nationalistic okay, way as, an ex- as an example, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's one job I really fantasize about doing that is quite low income, but I always wanted to do. Uh-huh. I want to do power washing. You know, like, you get a little special wash. It's just very satisfying to see the grime. Like. Wait, wait, wait. Do you, like, go online and then watch those power washing videos? I did, and I actually okay. searched up, like, how much it would cost to start a business, what the what the average machine would cost, and, and how much I would earn from doing it. You, you just want to draw dicks on concrete, right? No, that's not the point, Jerry. Like, that's not why I want. That's Dan Wong. I want, to, I want to make the world a better place by eliminating grime. One <laughs> the time. But but I cannot see that becoming a national pride, you know, like Singapore, the best power washing. <laughs> but we've people. already had this uh kind of like trying to switch people's mentality, like from a couple mm. of years ago when mm. they started saying that you know we should be doing like technical jobs, everyone shouldn't go to university, blah blah blah, you know, like they they've been actually yeah they've actually. It's not a couple of years ago. It was twenty fucking years ago. Okay. No, but then they kind of did a U turn on that. Yeah, they, they yeah. They like did. I remember my mom telling me like growing up right. Uh, normal technical schools were the best because they wanted more technical people. So last time it was engineers. Yeah, engineers and you know people. Who that was when we were still doing like this sort of industry, la. And then yes, when it correct. switched over, then mm. it became like a thing where oh, IT is not the place to go, or like polytechnic is not the way to go. And then now, uh, who the fuck was it? Uh? Um, shit, who's our? No, it's quite finance based. The ugly guy. <laughs> they're all ugly. The ugly guy. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say that. What? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hengsi Kedda. They're all ugly. Uh, uh, who was the dude who, who encouraged people to go into like trade school and vocational schools? Uh? Anyways, one of the, our ministers, uh, right? Uh, that was only a couple. Uh, no idea. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, that was, I think, only like two or three years ago where yeah. he, yeah, when he, yeah. we, we came, uh, came out again and reiterated this, um, fact that we we should be uh doing all these trade trade jobs are but the thing is the government has always been trying to uh you know create jobs in different industries they are bringing foreign whether is it foreign or local industries uh businesses to create jobs i think the underlying mission is to create jobs so that you guys have something to bring home every every month, you know, to provide for family and keep the economy afloat. Mm. They're not so concerned about uh, your hopes and dreams. Mm. And to be honest, I have a lot of friends, like even from back in the 90s when we, we wow, were... So. 
Fuck you, man. He he is the dinosaur on this uh, on this yeah. show. Yeah. So uh, back in nineties, like all my friends, uh, classmates were like, hey, we're looking at engineering jobs and so on and so forth. And a lot of them actually signed on with uh, SAF because SAF were looking for engineers as well. Uh, so by the time they they finish. Uh, the school go into army and mm. they finish everything. They realize that you know such they're, they're starting to lose these jobs. Mm. Like you know when when the trends start to switch and when they start to bring in more services, finances, biotech. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, even during our time, probably during um, myself and Dan's time as students, they were pushing for like movies and special effects and so on. So every maybe five ten years, the gov will change and shift its tact. I don't think it's anything wrong, but at the same time, I feel they're just trying to, you know, kind of like black. kind of creates a lot of like ripple effects within our own uh, local workforce, mm-hmm. right? So with the with the push in things like, for example, video uh, video effects and all that. Mm-hmm. Like I know a couple of guys, right? They they have all lost their jobs. They're all doing something else now. Nothing related to visual effects. So then, so called all their years in the education or studying for that particular role, right? Has I wouldn't say gone to waste, but at the same time, it's like it's not fully utilized, lah. But like, I do think like if you listen to the government and then just the uh, government say, oh, we need engineer, then you go and do engineer without really planning ahead. Then uh, you kind of a dick, lah. Yeah, I mean, like you set yourself up to be disappointed because the industry and the world around you change, and you should understand that. So, I I guess chase your dreams a little bit, but also be realistic, uh, like. My dream was to become an animator. Then I realized that in Singapore, it's really fucking hard to do so because our cost of living is so high, right? That an animation is a very labor-intensive job. Whether can you find work or not is another thing. Yeah, can find work or not. And when you can find work, what kind of work are you doing? Chances are you're not going to be a director. Chances are you're not going to be a concept artist and earn money because like a studio only need like one or two concept artists. So it's very hard to be an animator in Singapore and I gave that up. I had to go and learn something else. But do I blame the government for that? The government, I didn't do animation because the government asked me to do animation. Nah. But then, I, I also didn't plan. Nah. So, I, I, I chased my dreams. Then I found out, eh, doesn't really exist in my dream. I think coming back to the, the thing about whether or not we'll take up these marine uh, engineering jobs, I have a feeling uh, they're, they're looking towards automation for a lot of these mm. uh, low-end you know, things. Yeah, and, and actually that is the key point in, uh, I think, switching our views from, mm. like, say, being a cleaner is undignified. Like, imagine you're, like, <laughs> you know, driving a really cool-ass-looking uh, car that cleans the floor or whatever. It It's still cleaning, but then you don't feel like it's as uh, shameful, perhaps, as uh, actually picking up a broom and then sweeping the floor, right? I, I think. Yeah, Angie, but for the perception to change, right? Like, I mean, like, the... The pay has to has to match, of course. So yeah. in, in Australia, like a construction worker can earn like so much more than let's say like an accountant. You know, and, yeah, yeah I, I was working in Australia. Yeah. And as a warehouse person who like zero skills required, you just move fucking boxes. I was paid like sixteen dollars an hour. Yeah, and and why this is this situation mm. is impossible in Singapore is because we have like uh, such a excess or like some some people say like reliance on like uh cheap foreign labor. So I mean, as long as there's cheap foreign labor, like, these jobs will never be seen as uh, glamorous or even, like, viable by Singaporeans. So you can't exactly blame the Singaporean, the average Singaporean as well for for that, uh, for unable to shift their mindset, simply because the the greater environment around it hasn't allowed it to occur. I mean, to, I mean, since we supported the government a little bit now, like, you know, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we, <laughs> we can't just say, you know, Singaporeans, wow, you're, you're damn lazy, you're, you're you know, uh, you're looked down out of jobs. But they, they look down out of jobs for a reason because 
the money just isn't there and people still need to survive. I think the other thing is also productivity because um, like uh, if you go to Japan, right, you, you see the number of construction workers, Japanese construction workers needed to do a, a, a job, right? Versus the number of like say Bangladeshi workers you need to do a job here plus the supervisor to make sure like nothing goes wrong. Like actually if you minus the number of people and then you just get like a few good people who know the, what the shit they're doing. Actually, we could do a lot better, I feel. Because my dad is in the construction or, or rather contractor industry right like he tells me all the time about like the super inefficiencies where you need so many like pairs of eyes just to supervise mm. people actually doing things i mean we've seen the the photo of that lady with three other people <laughs> looking yeah looking uh, at people the, the three bangladeshi workers cl- cleaning the lift right it's precisely that kind of situation uh existing in a lot of industries right now and a lot of time a lot of like labor is wasted on mm. on just supervising and actually all these people are useless Sorry to say, but they are really useless. NG, Moala, you see the photo. We can't Balus be supervisors. Change is the only constant we must change with the times let belong Karapela. I like that Chan Chun Singh's leaked speech talk nabut how to recovering after the flu let belong Karapela. Don't like the guy, Bamim, that seems very forward thinking. The fuck? <laughs> well, can we just decipher what he actually said for that? I heard Chan Can, can I just read out your translation? We need a Dan translator. Uh, I'll do the I'll do the translation. Yeah, then I don't know this 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 okay, what, thing. What uh did you see the photo we can't after afterwards be supervisors? Change is the only constant. We must change with the times. I like that Chan Chun Singh's leaked speech talk about Nabut. A place, how to recovering after wait. Oh, okay. After the flu. Don't like the guy, but that seems very forward thinking. So what was the point actually? Have I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> it's, it's okay. This whole this whole episode right is just to relegate yeah, it's, Dan it's to such an element to, of chaos to to, to obscurity. So so maybe Dan is trying to say that I think the essence to what what Chen Chengxing's takeaway was that you have to change your business model, lor. Wait, I hang on. That's what I remember. Why don't we ask Dan? Ah, what yeah. does he think? But what he is he trying his, to say? Yeah, he has to use God's will. Uh. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no need, no need. Just use, uh, just use the. Then what? What is it? What exactly I, are you I trying to say? I fear it will complicate it even more. <laughs> Ambushed by foul invention, uh, these nightmarish creatures can be felled. They can be beaten. I know all these paths once. Now they are as twisted as my own ambitions. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's the. <laughs> that's all the clarification that you're gonna get. Wait, I guess Dan wow. is say, trying to say that he agrees with um the the governments, is it? <laughs> That's no. Okay, he disagrees with the government. Mm. Well, okay, never mind. Yes. I, I give up. I give up. It's, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Well, anyway, going back to uh, Raymond's point also that yeah, basically the reason why we have so many foreign workers within Singapore is a product of globalization, right? I mean, and so that. We kind of have to pivot a little bit now. I think this budget uh, announcement is a kind of a signal towards that. Like they, they can't outright say that we're going to like, you know, like 90 degrees left turn now. But, you know, it's like what everyone is, the, the sense that everyone gets, there's a storm coming, there's a storm brewing on the horizon. Yeah, I think absolutely that is true. Mm. I, I do like this idea though that you guys have painted of Singapore being this place where 
you instead of sending whole armies, right, you send a very, very elite squadron to to get shit done, you know, like twenty people where typically you get two hundred and then they are very high skill and very uh, high efficiency and they get shit done. I, I like that idea. I don't know whether it's possible or not, but it, I, I love I it. think the idea, like for example, if you Okay, let's say you go to Hai Di Lao, right? Yeah. I'm sure all of us have been there, right? Yeah. The efficiency is actually really high. Yeah. Like once something is, you know, your your bowl is or plate is uh, dirty, yep. they come and over and change it for you. Even if you like need something before you know you need something, they come yeah. here and give it to you. And I that's what I mean by efficiency. Because right. like I have been to restaurants, right? Like uh, in other countries um, where they're paid well, like the waitresses. And one person like or two people can can just serve the entire restaurant very efficiently take away, uh, mm. you know, empty plates so that there, there's clean tables for new people to come in. Right. And and that's how you keep efficiency high. Whereas in Singapore, a lot of times, right, like, the fucking entire restaurant is empty and then you've got, like, so many servers, no one's doing any shit mm. about it and then they'll tell you, oh, oh sorry, please uh, please wait while we clean the tables. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit, right? Like, that's... Yeah. And, and so, I think you need incentive for people to do their jobs well. There's a bit like what McDonald's did when it came in and revolutionized the whole fast food industry. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, we all come in with robots, robots and we clean the place. It could just be like you said, the, the system of doing things, like how you train people and the procedure of how they keep the operation running. I, I think it can be done, actually. I think it can be done. Yeah. It, you just need to incentivize people to right. want to do well. Oh, I was thinking like, you know, the greatest incentive money. Is, is money, I guess. Yeah, money. Yeah. Heidi Lau employees are paid very well, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, compared to, I mean, like what, what Wei Chun said, you know, a, a few minutes ago, like the elite team of people who can get shit done, I mean, my, in my honest opinions, like at the present, that can't be Singaporeans. Like we are not just, we are not that people at the moment, but we can be. And I think that's where we, we want to go here with, yeah. Okay, so shifting gear a bit, right, let's talk about the elephant in the room also, which is the GST hike, which will not happen this year. However, it now, as a result of this, right, it, it kind of goes to show that basically no matter what you do, right, it can't satisfy everyone, uh which is now um, Dr. Chi, our former guest also, have come out and in a video to criticize the government's move. Basically uh, saying that, well, since you're not going to hide the GST this year, then it kind of shows us that you are you don't actually need to hide the GST. Uh, but however, having said that, right, let's bring, let's let's go to another portion of uh, Heng Suket's speech, right? Uh, also, under the globalization part, where just now he mentioned there is there is a reduction in it around the world. So another thing that he said, right? As a result, nations are turning inwards. Protectionism and nativism are on the rise. As aging population, disruption to jobs, and slowing economic growth are adding to fiscal pressure. Yet it is politically untenable to cut back on social benefits. So I think this one right, also kind of tells us something very important here. We don't specifically have a welfare system in Singapore. However, there's still a lot of money uh, that the government is doling out to people mm. on a yearly basis. I agree. Right? And also, it's not just hard cash. There's also a lot of uh, tax incentive. There's a lot of tax cuts for corporations and for individuals. And the government is probably, like what he's saying here, feeling the fiscal pressure right? in terms of, well, how are we going to start balancing out all the worksheets like in the future? As mm. globalization goes down, we're going to import less people in. Uh, and also, bringing more people in is also political suicide, right? As in, we saw it with white paper in mm. 2011. But at the same time, right, we cannot simply just uh, say, cut back on all these benefits. That is also political suicide. So there, there's only kind of one way up. 
in this case, which is GST. And I think that is probably the, the genesis for, for this uh, line of thinking. But that is like a very immediate kind of uh, way to get money. I think the long-term way is more more from like a, a deep psych- a social psychological shift from where Singapore is heavily service-based to one where we are creation-based, where we actually produce IP, uh, where we actually make products of value that we can then export to the rest of the world instead of always being the middleman because we are, like, this job is going... Like, I think Dr. Chi mentioned this on our podcast when he came over. Like, this, these jobs are being cut out, you know. Nobody needs the fucking middleman anymore because there's always, like, you know, digital digitization of services and all that stuff. So, I mean, why why do you need a middleman when, you're, when you need to play inflated... Uh, amounts of money for for services that could be way cheaper. So I think that's the long term plan that we need to definitely the direction that we need to go in, lah. Basically, because I mean, how how much GST can you get from the citizens, right? Like we are all earning this amount of money, and if our pays are not increasing, the GST is going up. How the fuck are we gonna like, you know, buy shit and 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 continue to spend at the rate that we were spending? And then that all only like drives down. Capitalism, <laughs> consumerism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how the government sort of like plan for it all to work out, lah. But at the same time, right? What I think, what the government, what the Singapore government does, one thing very well, right, is the the tax, uh, the tax code for our country. I think there's a lot of science that went into exactly how much an individual or a company is willing to pay, right? Before, uh, like for example, just raising the tax, uh, raising the tax percentage, right? does not guarantee increased tax revenue. So let's say I increase your tax from 16% to 20%. Mm. So what, as a company, what I might do, right, is to, okay, look, I just increase my spending, mm. right? I increase my spending, I have more expenditure, I uh, report less of a profit, and therefore, I pay you less. Right. And the amount that I pay, right, might be less than what it was at 16%. Mm. So I think... And funnily enough, in Singapore, tax rate for business is 17%. The upper tax rate for uh, so-called income earners are 13%. And that's about the threshold that people are willing to pay. Hmm. So, for the, and basically, increasing that portion, right, is also not going to work either. Because if you increase the tax rate for individuals or companies, you're not guaranteed to get higher revenue. And not to forget the fact that like Singapore is very heavily dependent on like global um, invest investments, and the only one of the few the reasons that people do come into Singapore Excellent. is because of our tax tax breaks lah that they get compared to going to other countries. And if you're gonna raise the taxes for like companies, then we are essentially fucking ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. they will all leave. Yeah. yeah. So GST, no. I mean, what else is there? I mean, yeah, tax how, your own citizens, all. Yeah, how, Fuck I mean, you, how, all Singaporeans. How else would you? Uh, increase the revenue of a country. The Marseille holding and GIC will have to invest very smartly and earn a lot. Of. And like, they have, and they have. So actually, like, the, oh, the, that, and they have, they have, like, the, the revenue from, uh, I mean, the revenue from both uh, the Marseille and GIC actually uh, accounts for, like, a huge portion of mm. the government's revenue. Yeah, that's, that's all I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> then what do you think about all this uh, taxation shit? Oh, here we go. Every three years, inflation is nabut two to three percent. Karamapim tok now GST hike is two percent. Okay, the average man on the street needs army least five percent increase in the money you have now. For normal people, you either got to earn five percent more tok karapamim, or your investments are five percent to match. 
So so all the more right. How do you respond? Wait, to you that? actually oh, yeah, understood yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you translate that for us? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, he's saying you know uh, there's inflation, you know, and then after that, uh, tax increase is is also coming. So you need to do either one of two things. You need to either like stop nodding here. You need to get like a a pay raise, or you need to invest. So either or or you do both. Yep. But that can't be legislated. Like, you can't legislate someone to invest nor get a pay raise. And I think that's like, um, to me, like, as far as I can tell, GST is the, is the only way that, you know, the people won't just riot on the streets. Oh. Well, well, actually, like, the government has kind of like, uh, forced people to invest, like, away, which is like through CPF. CPF. And, and I would argue, right, like, if you want, if you want a country to, uh, Legislate like in- investment to be compulsory, right? Singapore is the best country to do it. I mean, they already legislate like so many things. Why not let's just uh, invest to you know uh, protect our own citizens' interests? I know might be a bit of might be a bit of like nannying and stuff, but why not? I mean, since you already do it all the way, let's just do a bit more. So like you're you're advocating for us to become like a total nanny state where like even your own money has to be spent in the way that the government wants you to spend it. Better to be a total nanny state than a state that doesn't exist or like a state full of like poor people. I think uh, in some perverse way, right, I kind of have to agree with Raming in, in that... In perverse way? Yeah. I just okay. straight up agree. Okay, either the government just take fucking control of everything or they take control of nothing. Uh, this like half and half deal, right? To me, this is what is killing everyone. Okay, Dan Wong, you're itching for something to say. Yeah. Let's go. Suffer not the lame horse. Or the broken man. Remy, what did he say? Shit, this one. Is, uh, <laughs> I don't know. My translator wasn't working for this one. Deus vote, God is willing. Hey, you guys are fucking. Oh my god, I've known you for so long, but you guys are fucking crazy fiscal conservatives. Uh, conservatives, you guys are crazy like nanny state enablers. Oh, how I'm can not, you I'm do not, such a? Said, uh, how me, can you me. do? <laughs> I, I, we must empower citizens to have the the knowledge to to handle their own financial decisions. Isn't that what woke salary man is about? To push the average man on the street to be careful, to be knowledgeable, to be pro-empowerment, you know? Sure, but all this takes time. And, and what's going to happen in between? You know, like what if we die in between? 66% of Singaporeans like don't even, you know, uh, plan financially. So that's why there's CPF uh, put in place to protect the people that don't plan. But now that the the impact is going to be more, you know, like the the economy is going to uh like suffer more, inflation is going to keep going up, like. But you are basically yeah, saying that since we are already here, right? Why not just go all the way? And I think that's where the problem lies. Uh. I actually feel like there should be a middle ground. Not that I hate the middle ground. Thank not, God they shut the shutdown. Yeah, I, I hate the middle ground as well. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are all anti Jerry's. Yeah. I mean, okay, if it's up to me, right, I'll just say, okay, give complete freedom to the people and let them go and decide what to do with their money. I mean, this CPF thing, this, the, the whole, the whole thing about the CPF now, right? I mean, if you, you all might remember this, it was like, how, like, how, like 20 odd years ago or 30 years ago, some, some random, uh, uh, right, go and spend, like, blow his entire fucking CPF load on this, like, one Vietnamese hooker or something. Yeah. And that's, and that's when people have this outcry. Oh no, uh, how can you, how can the government just release the lump sum of funds and then just let people yeah, just yeah. blow away their retirement. Yeah. And then that's when the government, oh, oh boy, this, I, I smell a gold mine. <laughs> no, so, so face, I think the, 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 a better way, right, that I'm suggesting is that 
you kind of help the citizens by having the CPF we have right now. But for the longer term, right, I think people need to be educated properly, which is where work segment comes in, That's to right. learn how to manage their own shit. Uh, because people still should, in my opinion, have the choice to decide what kind of life they want to live. But at least if you're going to decide what you're going to decide, be smart about how you're going to do it. Can I, can I say I treat my CPF money as gone? So Same. So, you know, like whatever you guys are advocating about investment, right, is the money that I already have in pocket. Yeah. So, if eventually I get my CPF money, fine. If I don't, you know, it's gone, you know. I, I treat it as gone now. I treat it as gone. Jerry, that's a great approach. You I treat it as gone too, but I think you also have to objectively look at it, right? And think about CPF as an opportunity that you can take advantage of. Of course, of course. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. Should I, how should I put it? It's at the back of my head, mm. but it's not something I'm always thinking about. Yeah. Because I'm not at that age yet. Ha <laughs> Jerry. Yes. Oh. Hey, Jerry, Jerry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me just ask you a question. How much do you think you need to retire in Singapore? How much money do you need? <sighs> to lead the life that How you comfortable yeah, yeah. would I be? Yeah. Right? How comfortable I mean, would I be? I mean, just your, your own eye, like you. Uh, I would say per individual, lah, assuming I don't live past 85. Try. I might yeah, assuming I don't live past 85 and I retire at 70, I, I really don't want to retire that early. Okay, Honestly. how much? How much is the money? Just get to the fucking number. Oh my god. Hey, I'm calculating. I'm old. I need some time to process. I don't, I don't think I'm going to... Uh, it is true. I don't know. Stop, maybe 500,000 of, of today's day. money. 500,000. Maybe, you know, it will be 750 by the time I retire. I don't sure. know. Sure. So, right. that's... seven. Okay, so that's 750,000. So... Today's CPF, uh, you know, I think the full retirement sum, I believe is 181,000. So let's just say you have, uh, 73,000, you minus 181,000. Where's the rest of money gonna come from? It's, it's your own personal spending, right? And if most people, you know, can't even raise that, that amount of money outside that, that, outside the CPF's 181,000, then like, shit, shit is gonna happen, you know, they're gonna be begging your oh, give me my money back. And that's when, you know, uh, shit, shit will really hit the fan. Oh, if, you know, if, uh, if I'm gonna retire, but I want to snort cocaine off a of hooker's ass every day, you know, and I need to sip that fucking latte, you know. And <laughs> yeah, so the problem here is not I'm gonna retire, it's not the amount of retire, but it's what you said after that, that you're gonna retire to snort cocaine off hooker's ass and sip latte all day. That's the problem, right? Yeah, cocaine is expensive, yo. Yeah. Depends, depends what kind of hooker. <laughs> so if that's what you choose, you better have enough money and you should think about leveraging CBM as best as you yeah. can. So, so a lot of people think like CBM is like will be their only retirement fund. But actually CBM only provides for like very basic needs. I think if I'm not wrong, like the payout is below uh below 2000 if, if I'm not wrong. It's way less than life. that per month, right? Yeah, it's, it's like something like maxed out as $800 a month. Yeah, so, so ah. where's... Where's the rest Where's of the money going to come from? Yeah, exactly. You can't, who, who, even right now, you can't like deal with 800 per month. Yeah, 800 Imagine can't like, even pay for the hookah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what kind yeah. of hookahs are you going to? Uh? Okay, okay. One, uh, yeah. <laughs> and let's assume you do it once a week. That, that will pile up. Uh. Yeah, are you talking about like every I don't day? Think so, yeah. Like, I think one time is only like, what, $200? 150? Oh, okay, or maybe it's a Actually, I don't know. Okay, yeah, okay, I don't know. $800 right? will cover the hooker. Yeah, but we still need the cocaine, right? Yeah, Assuming okay. it's latte. Four, four, four weeks a month, yeah. then, you, then you can... Uh, the $800 just cover for, for the hooker. It doesn't cover for the cocaine, yo. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't cover for like your actual necess- necessities like food, yeah? And and yeah, yeah, yeah whatever exactly. else. What? Those are necessities, what? Your medical bills and your... Uh, or And also Viagra. That's why my plan is to retire at 70 and die at 72. Oh. But what if you don't? 
What if you die at like 120? Wait, you're already 360 now. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 okay, I, this one is I feel, I, I feel right. Like at this, at this stage, the CPF is a false security for most Singaporeans because they feel like, oh, actually, I have the CPF to cover me in my retirement. Therefore, I actually don't really need to know about financial planning or uh, care about how I'm going to spend my old age because you know, the government will give me money, my own money. I uh, think you shouldn't think that. Yeah, yes. exactly. But yeah. but it gives people a false sense of security. La, which yeah, is why... Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think for CPF, right, it should be an entire episode on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for this one, definitely, one. We, we, can't, uh, we can't cut through all of it yeah. just in one session. Hmm. Especially, this is about budget 2020. Yeah. However, uh, we can also once again shift gear a little bit. There's a little known portion about the, the budget 2020. La. Not a lot of coverage about it. Now, this year, it had a fair amount of coverage. I think two years ago when it, when it was first implemented, which is the carbon tax. So, Singapore is trying to step up to the Paris Agreement, the Paris Accord, and Probably going to implement the carbon tax pretty soon. I don't think it's implemented yet. I think it is. Or is it? That is so good. Tax the shit out of car owners. I think it should be more. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's implemented already and uh, it also covers your electrical usage at home. Yeah, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, but however, of course, this also means that the average Singaporean suffers. Lah, because carbon is everywhere. Ma. No matter what, like it, it doesn't matter what precisely you do. You could be just a housewife, right? With no carbon footprint. Let's say you use, you, you use, uh, the power of magic, right? To, to create fire, to cook your food. And, and. That's you, also carbon, right? Yeah, that's also carbon. You yeah, but then the, carbon. but then with the power of magic, right? You can, like, remove the carbon from the whatever, uh, from the flames and whatever. However, right? You still need stuff delivered to you. You still need, um, mm. like, I mean, your surrounding is also just like a huge carbon footprint. You might not have it yourself, but you're still paying for it. And I think that's like, that's like the biggest sin of carbon tax. I mean, yeah, like when we talk about cars and whatnot, it's easy to kind of like blame them. But the average Joe, right, is still paying for it, no matter what. Because the cost will just be passed down to them. Huh? I feel like carbon tax should be imposed, especially on like luxury things, like food delivery services. Like you fucking lazy asses who cannot be bothered to go to get like your own fucking bubble tea, asking someone to go to the bubble tea shop, get like the cup of bubble tea, Deliver it to your fucking office or your house. It's like, what the fuck? And, and all the plastic that is being used in all, you know, food delivery, mm. you know, I, I think you guys should be taxed the most, like, seriously. So got one like simple solution and it's called uh, bicycles. You know, bicycles are these two-wheeled devices where people can get around uh, using as like a mode of transport without you know uh, wow. causing any carbon. Really? Yeah. So I I I kind of wish you know like Tell us more. yeah like the, the the Singapore government made. I mean I no, mean no you actually generate carbon still or you breathe you breathe in. Then we just die. Then we fucking die. We just die. We just die. No, I think the carbon tax right is for those excess use like what Angie is saying. Uh, you know, if you're Luxury, using cars. Yeah. If you should carbon tax the cyclists. You know, if you're <laughs> using excessive electricity at home, so have more children, use more power at home, pay more carbon tax. No, but then like that, how people can have three or more if they can afford it. Three or more, what? Children. Or three, oh. 
Evil Cast. Three or more cast. Can can clearly see all your thing, man. How you think? Uh, <laughs> but I do feel like the carbon tax is is a good thing, actually. Yeah. Okay. There's also a a, a mandate, right, or or target, lah, to replace all cars with electric cars by 2040. So currently, there's about there's a few there's only less than a thousand charging stations. I think around Singapore, they're going to increase it to something like twenty thousand and. Um, so the here's the my my greatest gripe with all this right is that does does electric car actually reduce carbon emission? Depends on where they get the power from. Hmm. So, of course, if let's say we can transition to like completely renewable, right? Solar, right? Yeah, then it kind of makes sense. Yep. No nuclear. What are you guys talking nuclear. about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if not, right, you're kind of just burning the coal somewhere else. Uh. Yeah. Right, the the carbon is just emitted somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. Instead, from your car, it's just at the power plant. Yeah, I I've been like when I was investigating which uh you know which uh, electrical provider to go for, I was looking at the different power stations. So basically, most of our power is uh had from LPG, right? And something like something like thirty percent is from uh incineration of waste, yeah. which is which is plastic huh. waste actually, you know. So they they do pro- they do pump carbon into the air if you know, if the carbon traps or whatever are not properly installed, uh, you know, we're actually putting a lot of carbon. I would I would agree with nuclear nuclear reactors only if it's fusion and not fission. But at this at this day and age, we are nowhere close to having like a commercially viable nuclear fusion reactor. Okay, having said that, like the new nuclear reactors uh, that has been designed and built in the last ten years. Is a lot better than those that are in service and producing dirty material from ni- 1970s. But a lot better and a lot cleaner. They burn more, uh, rather they consume most of the radioactive material so that mm. whatever comes out of it is a lot less radioactive. Mm. And, um, they actually can be stored, like 30 years of nuclear waste can be stored in a small basement. Mm. But, and then those, there's also like developments in like how to reduce like the radioactive waste. I think I read at this article where a scientist, uh, developed some sort, like, or is developing some sort of a laser to reduce radioactivity, the radioactive substances, uh, by, by, like, using, like, laser pulses or whatever, la, or electricity, some shit like that. I mean, some sci-fi shit. Sci- sci-fi shit, lah, huh? <laughs> but I mean, until that day, right, I don't agree with having, like, um, because we're too small, see? We, like, if it fucks up, we are really fucked. Mm. Even if you build it yep, offshore, yep, right? Yep. Even if you build it offshore and floating so that you can push it away out to yeah. into the fucking ocean, which is extremely irresponsible, <laughs> might I add, <laughs> uh, it's still really da- dangerous. Yeah. And I don't see why we need to take that risk unnecessarily. Especially after we've seen how, like, the MRT, how they, how our government is dealing with the MRT, like, failures, you know, I really don't trust them to, to handle nuclear, to handle nuclear stuff, yeah. yeah. But nowadays, the new nuclear plants, right, they are not the, they are not the uranium type anymore. So, uranium mm. is a, it can be weaponized, uh. so, back in the day, they, they had a choice to create nuclear power plants from either uranium or thorium, or an alternative source. Uh. So, the uranium, uh, 235 was selected because of its capability to weaponize. So once the once the uranium has been enriched, right, you can actually subsequently use it in a nuclear weapon. Mm. So it's kind of a double whammy, like you, you kind of get the cost, uh, you kind of get two for the cost of one. So that was that was the impediment of uh, nuclear weapons back in the day. Mm. 
But nowadays, right, they can actually create uh, nuclear power plants using an alternative, alternative fuel source, which is thorium, which is abundant almost everywhere in the world. And it is actually thrown away. Currently, right, oh. it is it is so abundant and it's so dug up, right, that nobody knows what to do with it and they're just discarding it by the tons. So, however, it can be used as a source of power. There just needs to be a complete restructuring of how uh, nuclear power plants are built. And in terms of safety, right, it's also what is called negative safety. So meaning to say that currently the, it's a positive safety means we actually need power, right, to keep the backup system running. Oh. Okay. So what negative safety means, right, is that in case the power is off, then the whole thing will be shut down. Right. Yeah. So in the event of, let's say, the tsunami comes, crash, whatever, then off it. it's off. Uh. And then all the all the uh, radioactive material will just be drained out. No, no power is needed to keep it, to maintain it. Whereas currently, right, you still need power to, to keep it cool. And that is the problem with the old type of uh, power plant. drained out to where? So you were talking about... You are talking about the... <laughs> Radioactive... That's, that's how we actually get the Merlion. Uh. <laughs> Ninja Turtles. <laughs> the green, oh, sorry, sorry. The green light that you see at the Merlion isn't uh, from lasers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, John. Please continue. We have a new kind of light show. Yeah. So... The, um, but what, what, where does it drain yeah, out? Why not we just do it? So it's not that it drains out. Okay. You think of it this way, right? You were talking about the fusion of fission, right? So what it basically means is... There's two, th- there's two ways of uh, harvesting nuclear power. Either you have something that is already emitting nuclear uh, nuclear energy, or um, and then you kind of convert it that way, or you bombard something that is inert to, com- to, to change it into nuclear energy. Mm. So these are the two ways. So thorium, right, is the, is the latter. It is inert on its own. You can handle right, thorium. Right. A child can put thorium in his mouth and it will not die from <laughs> other than choking to death. Yeah. So... So meaning to say that you put the thorium in, you bombard it, and then in the in the case of emergency, um, the thorium right will just be removed from mm. the chamber. It will it will be bomb, uh, bombarded with nothing, and then the the chamber is safe. You see, so that is the way that it, that's why it's called negative safety lah. And I think that is the way to go in terms of uh the future of power, solar and wind right is wholly inefficient. Uh, it doesn't really work very well. It creates actually a lot of problems. Uh, I know with the with the onset of the coronavirus, everybody fucking hates bats, right? However, uh, windmill actually kills a lot of bats every year. <laughs> yeah, and, and birds <laughs> and birds, and birds. As well. yeah, but not as much birds because birds they only fly during the day, so they can actually see the windmill in the during the night because the windmills are so quiet. Uh, the bats, right? They they cannot detect the windmill as they spin. Uh. It fucking if you it just like it just like. Obliterates so the it's a problem to the local bat population. Yes, correct. Which it, is it, very, very important because like bats actually, bats eat a lot of insects. Of right, right, right. You right, know, right. like they eat a lot of mosquitoes. They eat a lot of like. But they also spread the wolf flu So I, I don't know. Don't I eat like, them then. I, I <laughs> don't fucking bit, eat bats. You need to spread yeah, the wolf flu if you yeah. eat bats. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think they, uh, they, they've kind of uh, clarified that it's not the by bats, right? Yeah, I know. I know, Jerry. Oh my God. This is for comedy sake. You okay, know, okay, yeah, okay. Very funny. Spoil the bit. Yeah, just spoil my fucking bit. But but the problem with like uh, thorium based nuclear power is like the setup cost is it's just huge la. It's fucking huge. Fucking yeah, huge. That, it, it and the reason for that of course is one thing is there's no existing technology that kind of uh normally technology is built upon generations, right? So it gets cheaper with each generation. Yeah. 
thorium power plants they, or lifter they call it uh, it is not efficient yet and it's not efficient yet because nobody has the the political willpower to build it the nuclear still have a very negative connotation to it correct me if I'm wrong right but like the inefficiency fuck you because you're a woman Oh wow! Yeah, sure. Oh, shit. Wow, Those your dick power. Everyone does not endorse this message. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I I very much endorse the work salary, man. Okay, thank sorry, you very sorry, much. Sorry, NG, yeah, yeah has been endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, the inefficiencies from like new uh solar energy and wind energy, right? Uh, is mostly based on the fact that we we don't have a a way to efficiently store the the energy that is created, right? So, like, yep. as they are created, they need to be used. Otherwise, it's completely lost. Right. So, like, if we're not... If that is the case, then we should be, like, you know, putting energy, like, and efforts into making better, like, storage systems la, Actually, for energy. That, this, this is a problem that also has been explored quite thoroughly. La, and according to science, la, there's a there's a limit to how big a battery can be. Science. Yeah. I mean, meaning meaning to say that it's a bit like um, how large, right? Can uh can we inflate Dan Wong's dick? So yeah, like or oh, Dan Wong, do you want, do you wish to say something about that? Precision and power. <laughs> okay, so let's so say we put an air pump right around Dan Wong's dick, right, and then we keep pumping it with air. <laughs> there's a there there's a there's, like science dictates right. There's a there's a limit to how how inflated his so dick can be. Dictates. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, dictates. Yeah, 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 <laughs> dictates. Yeah. So, uh, and it's and it's a similar kind of concept with batteries. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not to say that there's no alternative way of thinking about things because science also is a process, and there's probably a a a new way of thinking that we are not looking at it yet. But currently, it's just not viable. I think it's also the materials that we are facing uh, with all these <coughs> energy storage, right? Because we're very heavily reliant on lithium. Is it? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyways. Back back to thorium nuclear-based power. Wouldn't it be cool, right, if that was, like, Singapore's, like, next invention? Like, we, we use our, like, considerable... Yeah, right? that, we, we use our considerable amount of resources, right, to go, like, perfect... Innovate the next yeah. phase of energy. Exactly. No, 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 and right. then, right, we could... Hang on, hang on, hang on. We could sell this energy, right, to the countries around us. It's, just, it's the new product of, you know, the, the tw- 21st century or 22nd century, or the 23rd century. And that's how we could possibly secure, you know, Singapore's uh, existence. Yeah, we should do the Rick and Morty thing. You know, create another universe. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, they, yeah, they step yeah. on the step machines. Infinite by the, universes. By the way, I, when I was uh, reading the budget, right, I saw something um, that kind of demonstrated to me, right, that NG's vision of Singapore being like innovative in terms of like intellectual property uh, will never come true. Because we have created a new material, right? That is from that is uh, from the incineration ash that can be used to build roads, uh-huh. and they are using it to build uh, some portion, I think, of uh, Bukit Gombak or something like that. Uh-huh. Guess what they are calling this new material? New sand. Uh, so you are dismissing all that based on the but fact that no, no, no fucking joke. Intellectual it's property and innovation, right? Like, doesn't mean that they are great at like branding and str- strategizing like awful, brand. Yeah. I mean, brand I mean, to be image, fair, you know? know, like a marketing manager would say, oh, you know, brand consistency. Yeah, first, need a marketing first we have new water. Yeah, then it's now like we have new exactly. Then we have so new everything, air, new everything energy. that comes from Singapore will be new, exactly what it yeah. is. So right? it's kind of yeah. like how uh, MediaCorp they rebranded, right? It's like MeTV, me, me this, me that, me this. No, yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't pay attention to them. Sorry, MediaCorp. Yeah, I mean, we are truly the best in our creativity. Oh, by the way, right? Like, I just want to bitch about this thing. Uh. The the booklet, right, of the budget, uh, 
is so fucking ugly. Oh, it's so it? clear that they have zero budget for design. It's the most disgusting thing. Hey, don't I have times are hard, you know. Maybe maybe there are better priorities like giving the GST voucher to <laughs> another needy family. <laughs> yeah, so if we if we put like five K into the budget design, then does that help people read it more? It might, right? The the maybe the the I have not seen it, but I think oh it's my so God. bad. I think you just I think you just hit the, the nail on the head. Oh yeah. shit! It's deliberately poorly designed, so no one will read it. Oh no! I, I, I think I they use stock photos. You know, it's that bad. Hmm. It's so bad. The insurance agent who sent me the PDF didn't include the cover. <laughs> well, I think it's My- okay. I, I don't mind it being bad. No, like, I, I think there are a lot of like media sites that help simplify it. So right. oh, that's how they leverage. Ah, so yeah, yeah, they all yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, will. Ah, yeah, you all will do it for yeah. free for yeah, us, lah. Fuck, ah, you Very clever. Yeah, it's so yeah. clever. All these traffic bitches. <laughs> they save on this money. Let's help the people instead. Like, let the media people do do their shit. You know, do it for free. Yep. Yeah. We'll just put it up on the uh, what is it? The government, the the tender website. Oh, and yeah, then we'll, yeah. we'll insist that it has to be done for $50. <laughs> Some poly student will Un- win it. Unlimited changes. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. We'll right. No, no, no. Too cheap. Yeah. <laughs> All rights for, for, for forever. No, yeah. but you guys can monetize it later, right? That's true. Yeah. Right, right. If anyone's from the ministry like hearing this, you know, uh, give us a call. We do have a sponsorable service. If you do <laughs> want to reach us, you can reach us at hi at thewoldsalaryman.com. That's hi, H-I, at thewoldsalaryman.com. I feel like... Uh, I feel like the the government might go the route right of so many insurance agents around Singapore right, and just steal your content. Like just straight up, just take your content, put it on their own Facebook posts mm. and then without like accrediting you guys. Hi, <laughs> if anyone from ministry uh, is listening to this, uh, we do provide like a small licensing fee for any of our content. Do email us at hi at thewoodcellaryman.com. <laughs> you know what? Like usually we have to get our guests to pimp themselves, right? I feel uh, like this time around we have to get monetize yeah. this bit, you know? Uh, yeah, we should, we should, we should license, uh, we should charge you licensing fee. That's true. Uh, we'll give Longgang Kitties like a ten percent commission. <laughs> <laughs> very fair, very fair, very fair. Very very fair. fair. So, uh, people from the ministry, even though we shoot on you constantly, right? If you, if you actually get go to the work salary man from us, please quote longgangkitties.com <laughs> when you uh, get to them, so we can receive receive a ten percent. Yeah, although thank you very much. Put the promo code. Although a direct line is also available at high at the work salary man. <laughs> 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 Cut out the middleman! Nah, just kidding. <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. So, so, so on brand, are you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Alright, then. Then, Mong. Before you give us your magical moment. Okay. Before you give us your magical moment, let us know how you feel about Budget 2020. Women and men, soldiers and outlaws, fools and corpses, all will find their way to us now that the road is clear. That's so insightful. That's very pro government. It feels very pro government to me. That's so deep, then. So deep. So deep. Alright. Do we want to just go one last round uh, around the table and then we can sum up how you feel about budget 2020? I know, like, you guys, some of you guys don't care about it or whatever, but uh, just like a quick hot take on what's going on. Let's go. NG, start. You get money. You get money. You get money. Everybody gets money. And then vote for us. I was about to criticize you for your lack of creativity until you added that last line. Mm. Jerry. I wish I had chosen a three-room HDB flat. Oh, wait, oh. How many rooms are you so you get three hundred dollars instead of one hundred dollars. That's right. <laughs> oh wow. That's a lot of sacrifice for just two hundred dollars. But we don't really need that space, it's just two of us and three cats. Oh, you know what? You could rent out your space to generate income and could offset more than half of your payment. Yeah. 
Yeah, actually, we intend to do that. All right. Not, not awesome. so soon, not so soon. Like, you know, uh, later on, maybe we'll just rent out the entire place. Every month you don't do it, it's money you lost every month. <laughs> it's okay. Let us, let us enjoy this, you know, this Time is ticking, enjoyment. You're not woke enough, Jerry. You're not fucking I'm, woke. I'm not woke at all. <laughs> all right, Rachel? I think uh, it's just one year. You know, the I'm just going to stay focused on my financial goals. And uh, the important thing to learn from the budget, I think, is just to see what the government is seeing ahead and to learn from that, uh. Other than that, you just look out for, you know, the things that might benefit you. Like if you're in the retail business, then you can look at the, the things that apply to you. Other than that, I think I ignore it, to be honest. Framing. Yeah, so it, it's not about having like some special strategy to deal with like, you know, uh, this year's budget. It's more of like keeping it on the same path that it always been. Uh, I mean, if you guys are already financially, I mean, on the path to financial freedom, like focus on yourself, like not... Not like, you know, the, like what people say, oh, that's a $300, you know, GST voucher. Like, don't focus on that. Focus on what you can do for yourself rather than all these small little distractions that the, the government is throwing out, throwing out at you. I don't know how I feel about this, but every year we do the budget, right? And I feel a little bit of me dies more on the inside every year. <laughs> it's called aging. It happens. Yeah. Midlife crisis. Okay, Dan Wong, give us a magical moment. Uh, God is willing the day as well I have not said oh, my piece very yet very I, I'm using my final card right now okay to tell okay this is very important I'm using my final card right now to tell all the homeowners the wannabe homeowners out there to faster apply for your flat this is because one of the points that nobody talked about is the enhanced uh, housing grant which goes up to 150 thousand Zimbabwe fun bucks okay <laughs> this is fucking crazy shit you know how much I got for my grant I got like fucking 45, 45k oh, for that's my... That's more than mine. Huh? Sorry? More than mine. More than... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. Okay, so but but for me, for the additional housing grant, special housing grant, about forty-five, fifty thousand dollars 50000 That's all I know. So this time around, it's, it's, it's literally a 300% of what, what I have. Dude, I got nothing. When you I, get nothing? When I apply, all the things that you got haven't kicked in yet. Correct. So now yeah. you are you are resentful to me and I'll be resentful yes, to exactly. the new batch of people who get this enhanced housing grant. So apply for the house now if you haven't already. It's, it's going to save your life. Magical moment, please. Okay, magical moment. So the thing is that I usually come up with magical moments on, on the, you know, uh, before, prior to the podcast, but now I don't have a magical moment. So I'll just, I'll just spin one from the top of my head, okay? So scientists in DSTA have managed to get a sample of Lee Kuan Yew's, Lee Kuan Yew's uh, DNA sample. So they get a, a bunch of flesh and then they start growing it. But then like Akira, it grows out of control and forms this giant sweating, pulsating cyst. You know, it's slimy, it is pulsating, it is alive and it smashes DSTA headquarters and it's like the size of a building, you know, in the middle of Singapore. Out of one orifice, one disgusting, almost like anus-like orifice, Money comes out in in Singapore denomination, by the way, in SGD, of course, right? So everybody's like, "Oh my God, money is coming out!" Right? So every time somebody approaches it, it will it will shit money, a sum of anywhere from uh, 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 fifty thousand dollars to like fifty thousand dollars. No, I'm just joking. $25,000 to $50,000. But there's an extremely high chance you will get the COVID virus. And, and no amount of, yeah, there's no amount of protective gear can, can, can save you because the moment you take off the protection to touch that slimy money, you know, uh, you, you're gonna, you're gonna have a high chance of getting COVID. So 
my my question to, to you and all our guests is do will you approach the giant Lee Kuan Yew tumor cyst to take the twenty five to fifty thousand dollars that it shits out with the risk of getting COVID nineteen? Yes, fucking yes. Oh, for fifty k. Can I can I ask a clarification? Is the government still paying for medical bills if we get COVID nineteen? Oh, but what a complex way to do like quantitative easing, you know? Like they could have just printed more money instead of creating a clone. <laughs> it's not, it's not DSTA, right? It's Singapore Min, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Why not, right? We just like cordon around the area, then we can make it a tourist attraction, you know? Like check out this place that spills money, then we can monetize. Then maybe people will come back to Singapore for tourism. <laughs> yeah, then just like risk everyone getting the fucking flu all at once. <laughs> well, it's a great image. Right? It, it, it sounds like a Dan Wong illustration. <laughs> I wouldn't take it uh, because it's not worth any amount of money, you know, to to get the Wu flu. I think, oh, because but you can recover from it. Chances actually. chances of uh, young people recovering is yeah. so high that it doesn't really matter if you get it or not, unless you no. The death rate in China does not does not support that, you know, NG. Like I know the mortality. They say the mortality rate is two percent, three percent. But if you look at Wuhan, the mortality rate is immense, and we cannot but the, account for it. But the death rate in Wuhan could be exacerbated by the lack of proper medical mm. care due to the o- over extension of their medical supplies, their medical personnel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you look at countries with proper health care. Right, uh, and if they are not like stuck on some kind of like freaking cruise ship, actually the mortality rate is incredibly low. Singapore has almost like none, none, none. zero. We have exactly yeah, zero. So on that note, no, I will take the money. Actually. Don't don't forget that uh, after two or three generations of one child policy, China has a disproportionate amount of older people. Mm. Yeah, and but having said that, I will not take the money because I don't want to take money from Lee Kuan Yew. <laughs> Any form of Lee Kuan Yew's uh, DNA. Who's the guy on the notes? Like, you know, is it still Yusuf Isham? It's still Yusuf Isham. Oh, but it came out only. only yeah. that, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> it's just not right. It's just not right. Why would that happen? Why would that happen? Because Yusuf Isham's genes are embedded in every single Singaporean's like, DNA. Please don't say that. It's, uh, maybe, maybe by that time, it will be like, you can use face on it. Oh, eh? uh, yeah. Maybe by then. Okay. Sorry. To, to close out this uh, hypothetical, I just want to say that Dear Angie, you are thinking like nobody else in Singapore will queue up for the money. So can you imagine a scenario where many, many Singaporeans want to get that money? Everybody queues up and yeah. a lot of people get woof I mean COVID nineteen. Oh that's true. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Yeah, then it could be that Singapore will end up like Wuhan simply because we don't have enough uh, people and healthcare and resources mm. to to deal with all the stupid Singaporeans who go and take the twenty five K. Then even better law, then they all die, man. Oh that's true. They all die and then the money will still be there. Right? Mm. And then it's just essentially useless. So. Maybe it's about like delayed gratification. Because some of this virus, right? Like Haitian... They cannot survive. Right? So you just need yeah. to wait for all the people to die and then you take their money, right? Exactly. Or it becomes like so common that you can actually treat it. Then So you wait like three years for, for the COVID-19 money, to become yeah. like normal then you can go in. Also, by the way, right? Like if you're injecting so much uh, money from nowhere into the system, it's essentially causing like crazy inflation. Eh? Yes, quantitative easing. Lee Kuan Yew's giant tumor does not know that. So actually, this can be a teachable salary man moment as well. <laughs> instead of instead of everyone going queue, right? Why don't you create an app that says that I will queue up for you? Oh uh, yeah. Then when then, it's your turn, you just arrive by the, the yeah, system. Then we just your... then I just uh take a portion. Uh. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, I can take sixty percent. You don't have to. You are you are risk free, right? And then you get forty percent, and then I can keep doing it over and over again. 
A bit like the tourism thing, like yeah. you 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 yield productivity out of that system. So yeah, that it's not correct. really inflation. And you system. don't you don't even have to system. touch the money, you don't even have to give the money to uh, the person. You just you know, someone will set up a POSB ATM yeah. where you can input input the money. Oh, just that's true, yes. yeah, call me and give me your uh you know account number and I'll enter it for you. Yeah, run through a disinfectant actually, system or so. Yeah, so, actually okay. right. The the question is, does it have to be human? If not, it can just send a robot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can a team do eye banking? The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pain now. Pain now. Or go straight into CPF, then yeah, nobody yeah, will yeah, want yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an even better idea. Uh, yeah, right. Actually, that would have been a better hypothetical, right? It's like if it goes into yeah, a CPF, it just goes Actually, into- you know what it should ha- what should happen? The government should declare that national property, and then all the money uh. that comes in, right, or, or comes out of like Lee Kuan Yew's anus like a p- apparatus will go straight into our treasury how about mm. that that's great right then it can be distributed to the citizens mm. no 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 then this way no one will do it because it's not their money is it yeah, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. no choice here it's just automated but we still get to benefit though yeah. for nothing this half that means- was done by the Lee Kuan Yew cyst and then you put a plug up and then, oh, that means that the civil servant will have to go and take the money somehow lo. no uh, robotics <laughs> uh, you know get a robot there. but also do we care Not about like civil, civil servants Sorry. Oh, some of them yeah I guess hey, teachers are civil servants no civil uh, teachers are public servants it's different okay yeah. oh. Oh. oh oh so we're gonna send in the the HDB clerk instead and uh, the the people working at CPF building and whatnot. They are uh, yeah the CPF building people right? No MAS MAS go go. <laughs> <laughs> the director will just be like, hey, you know, you're you've been taking like fourteen days MC uh, for the past three years uh. <laughs> How about I bump it up to twenty eight days? You have a uh, extra fourteen days. <laughs> or, or we can just do what like most Singaporean SMEs do. You know, we just hire a Malaysian to do it. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Outsourcing. I'll, gi- uh, I'll give you an S pass if you go and pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> what am I work? Yeah. I think I think that's a that's a very very Singaporean answer. Yeah. Oh my I god, think we're also we fucking cynical. Yeah, this is this is turning too dark. This okay, is I'm not gonna, cynical. Uh, this is pragmatic. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna end the fucking podcast here <laughs> before we turn down a fucking dark path and uh and and this is no longer the long gun kitty. This is like the darkness kitty. Is it like? It's not like. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so with that. Uh, that will be the end of this episode everyone okay before we end Reaming and Wei Chun for the fifth, 50th time in this podcast please plug yourself <laughs> hi if anyone wants to do sponsored posts you can reach us at hi at the woke otherwise we are taking editorial submissions no not sponsored posts like I would think not <laughs> not sponsored posts <laughs> okay uh, find us google the woke salaryman or go to the woke salaryman.com or look look for us on facebook instagram telegram all these channels. Are, yeah, yeah, and so LinkedIn. Ah, and LinkedIn. sign up for our email list. And your Patreon. Yeah, and our Patreon. Oh, we, we always forget about that. No, I mean, if you're going through financial difficulty, uh, please do not uh, donate to us. You rather you focus on yourself first. We are able to ride out this, this storm. So don't worry about us. We'll be fine. Thanks. Fantastic. Anyway, thank you, you guys, once again, for taking the time coming onto our show and uh, talking nonsense with us as usual. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Very fun. And with that, Please like, please subscribe if you can on SoundCloud, Spotify, comment, tell us what to do, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And with that, that will be the end of this episode. Thank you everyone and goodbye. Bye.
over all over John Wang's hairy legs oh, to get eternal youth. Can you do it? <laughs> yes, I'll do a lot more. <laughs> 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 